Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonsen. Happy New Year. First show of 2023. Today's guest is Gabriella Bella on Instagram. She is Gabriella underscore da, da underscore Bella. If you don't follow her yet, give her a follow. Gab- Gabby is a foiler based in Maui. She has a kiting and competitive swimming background. She is currently on the GoFoil team. And in the foiling event, that just happened in Kauai. She took out second place in the women's division. Uh, what impresses me about Gabby and why I wanted to have her on the show is that in a very short time, she has not been foiling for that long, um, she has become top level across multiple genres of the sport. So her, her first love, her passion is prone foiling. She loves surf, um, but she is also making epic downwind runs, and spends a lot of time on the wing, uh, especially with the kite background. She took to winging very, very quickly. Uh, so if you don't follow her yet, give her a follow on Instagram, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Gabby. Before we dive in, a couple things. Um, the show. So I love doing the podcast. It is, uh, I think, one of my favorite things uh, I would say semi-professional hobby. I don't know how I would classify it at this point in time, but uh, it gives me a chance every week or every other week to sit down and to speak with someone who I find truly inspirational. I've been doing this now for about seven to eight years, I guess, because I did the Padawoo podcast before the Progression Project podcast. And it is something that Um, I really look forward to, like, I love these conversations. And when I started the progression project podcast, it wasn't going to be a foiling podcast. So if you've been following from the beginning, um, the idea was to dive into the learning process, deliberate, um, practice, uh, what it takes to be truly great at something and flow and explore those themes from a broad, um, range of guests. And, I got five episodes into that, and then life intervened. We had to move back from Costa Rica. Family went through a really difficult time, and I just couldn't do the podcast. You know, to do the podcast for me, I have to be in a great mental space. Um, If I am not stoked, it's very difficult to have conversations about things that I love because I, I didn't feel it at the time, and I have a really hard time faking things. And so I took a couple years off, and then foiling brought me back to stoke. You know, living in Florida as a surfer from Costa Rica was probably... Uh, one of the hardest things that I have done, not to mention that we were going through a whole bunch of stuff at the same time, which has all come out beautifully. If you follow the show, you probably understand a lot of that. But foiling brought me out of that headspace. And that is why I'm so incredibly passionate and grateful for it. It has turned Florida into a place I don't even want to travel from, which is insane having grown up here as a surfer and all you want to do is travel your next Costa Rica trip or whatever your next trip is, that's what you're looking forward to. Or maybe a hurricane, you might get five good days a year. And as a foiler, it's almost every day. And so I am so grateful. And I hope that I express that when I, you know, 
on all the shows, but then also, you know, when we're talking to the guys like Dave Kalama, who's just recorded, and it's a it's a great one, or Kai Lenny, or some of the other guests that are coming up. Um, but we have now done about 100 episodes on foiling, specifically. You know, we, we explore those themes, but it's always through the lens of foiling. And moving into 2023, I just kind of want to give you guys an update and a, an idea of where I think the show is going to head. I want to start having those conversations with experts in the field or people who have mastered something. And, you know, the same process to mastery is there. And I think all of that will relate back to what we were doing, but I think they will be broader conversations, more applicable to kind of anyone who is listening. But that does not mean that we're going to stop doing the foiling shows. So what I've decided to do is continue to do about the same amount of foiling shows. So I was averaging about two podcasts a month. I'm now going to go to try to do four podcasts a month. And at least two of those are going to be dedicated foiling because, you know, it's what I love. Um, But I do want to start exploring those other themes and you guys will start seeing that very soon. And I hope that you enjoy them. Um, If you do enjoy them, I hope that you share them with, you know, other folks, because I think they'll be more applicable to people outside of just the foiling realm. Um, And I'm not in any way, shape or or form taking away from uh, what we've created in the foiling space. I just think that, and what I have learned through doing this and the community is that we all share a lot of commonalities outside of just foiling. And I think that there is value now that we have a platform and there's a lot of people listening, I think that we can leverage that into getting different guests, guests who would not talk to to me if I did if there wasn't an audience behind it. But I think now that there's an audience, um, we start attracting some some guests and we'll all benefit from it, I hope. Uh, and I'm excited to do it. So I would love your suggestions of who you think would make great, uh, great interviews, people we, you would like to learn from or, or other themes that are tangential. I think that the only um, guidelines that I will put on it is just that uh, it has to be in the path of progression, helping us to get better, um, probably through the lens of you know, our sports, um, paths to mastery, um, or life lifestyle. Cause I think that's another thing that we all share is, um, the, the goal of getting to spend more time doing what we love. So I hope that that, uh, is exciting. Um, but let me know, send me a DM. That's my that's my buddy Atlas, who always seems to go off whenever we do these. And <laughs> without fail. I love it. He's such a good dude. We have a beagle. He's two years old. And he is a howler. And there's probably a little cute pup walking by. And he is doing his best to say hello. So I will give updates on the next show of what is going on with the Unifoil project. There's some foils out. It's been really fun. Um, And a number of other foiling thoughts that I've had recently, but there are a couple more podcasts coming out. Joel Pilgrim has recorded. That is a very cool conversation, very deep. Um, And Dave Kalama has just recorded as well. So stay tuned for those in the next two weeks. And happy new year. I hope that you guys all have an incredible 2023. I've decided it is the year of sending it. I am going to 
not hold back quite as much. <laughs> My wife laughed when I told her that. She's like, how much more time can you spend in the ocean? It's like, I don't know, babe, but we'll find out. Um, and yeah, enjoy the conversation with Gabby. Gabby, thanks for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm stoked to do this. Excited to learn from you. To get things started off, for people who don't know you, background, who you are and how you got here. Yeah, so I was born in Maui. I surfed, but it was a side thing. I did competitive swim and soccer and stuff. And then about four years ago, my uncle taught me how to kite surf. And that really changed things because I could be out whenever it was windy. That's about every day here. So I was kite surfing the past few years, strapless and big air. And then it was like last year, all the uh, wingers were like invading our beach, Kite Beach, Maui. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and I was like, nah, that's not for me. I wait like another few months and I'm like, I'll give it a try. And then since then, it's been everything foiling. So prone, downwind, winging. So. Did, you, did you foil on kite first? No, I've never kite foiled, which is really odd because that would have been the easiest way. Yeah. I started out prone foiling. I put about five sessions in and then I gave the wing a try. Why did you start prone? It seems like with a wind background, it would have been natural to start on the wing. Yeah, that would have been so much easier. My friend was just getting into prone and he had another, like an extra setup and I missed surfing. I'd been like in the wind all the time. So it was kind of like a, a substitute for surfing. How did you find the foil at first? What captivated you? It was kind of getting to use junky waves because I was over chasing the best waves I could find, all the driving and shit. So my friends would go to Thousand Peaks. It was the summertime and they'd be out there in like one foot waves and come in so stoked. So <laughs> that was really attractive, honestly. I was like, oh, there must be something to it. And there definitely is. Do you remember your first flight? Yeah, it was on the first day and it was maybe half a second. I was just getting like blown off the back of the board on every wave because I was trying for the peak. And then I got on the white water and I was like on my stomach on foil. And then I was on my knees on foil and then on my feet for like the slightest moment. But it was so much fun. How do you think like foiling for me at the beginning? I remember the first few flights that I had. Yeah. And it was such an otherworldly experience. It was like something that I didn't know existed. I think like you hear about people talking about like DMT trips and stuff like that, stuff I don't, I've never done, but it right. just feels like you're in the same world and you've spent so much time surfing. And then all of a sudden you're doing the same thing, but it's all different. And I just, I think that's what still captivates so many of us is that it's so otherworldly when we start to fly. Was it a same type of experience? Yeah, I was shocked. Like, Looking at it, I thought it'd feel cool. But after that, I was like, I was just laughing for a few minutes. Like that was so unreal. And uh, it, it was kind of better than I thought it'd be because like, you know, people say flying, hovering, but I've never really done either of those things. So it's kind of like really eye-opening actually. So that was definitely the start. Were you foil-brained right away or did you? I was foil-brained. Well, for prone, yes. For winging, it took till I got some rides on the prone to want to give the wing a try. Because it was either using the wind to kite or to wing. And, you know, it's never fun to suck at something, but it's also really fun to suck at something. Never fun to suck at something, but the beauty of sucking at something is that you can be better every day. 
100%. Yeah. And that is so fun. So right now, I know that you prone. I just actually talked to Dave Kalama today, and he was saying that I should talk to you about downwind because he hasn't seen anyone really take to it as fast as you have. So I know that you downwind. such a legend. Oh, my gosh. It really is, right? <laughs> yeah, no, him and Jeremy, Tomo, basically all the Maui downwind crew have been so supportive because it's been maybe six months for me, like since the beginning of the summer. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to flatwater practice, which is a Tuesday thing here that Jeremy does. And I showed up with no gear. I've never paddled before. And Jeremy basically showed me how to like use a paddle, try to get going. And then Dave showed up the second week and he was just giving me like little bits of advice. And I thought I was just trying it because it's a, another thing to try, but I didn't think I'd actually get it for some reason. And then, you know, a few more weeks into it and just getting more and more stoked on the idea. So after this summer, like it's, the main thing I want to do for sure. Why did you think you wouldn't get it? It seemed, you know, it's a smaller group of people and they're all kind of legends of their previous water sports. On top of that, it's a, it was kind of a sub sport before the prone became more popular. It, it seemed out of reach, but it's definitely doable for, I think, almost anybody. Yeah. D- Dave was joking around a little bit and said you abused a couple rails. You know what? I feel so bad for that. <laughs> if you took a, he's been so nice. He's been giving me like hand-me-down boards. The amount of times I've had to drive to Haiku to Gramps to the guy who fixes the boards, it's embarrassing. It's so bad. Is that still happening? Or are you passing? Yeah, I put a lot of tape on my current board, but it's the same board that I learned on. So it's not very pretty. <laughs> everybody's been so nice you're like oh you want to try my board because i'm still on the the e3 and everybody's got these barracudas and like respectfully no i don't want to i don't want to hit your rail like it's a problem so you started prone and then you got into the wing yeah and how long with the kite background i'm always i've been super jealous of people with a kite background because for me winging was about the shittiest process till i quit five times pretty easily <laughs> now i was starting out on like a board that was way too small i had no idea what i was doing i thought you should learn in the surf so i just started sending it like out <laughs> in the surf and it was just it was brutal and then yeah. i found out how to learn and the whole thing but i've been jealous of the guys and girls who have been able to learn with a kite background did you find that pretty easy to navigate unfortunately yeah it was not bad so i'd show up to the beach to the kite beach And I'd go kite and then I'd take like a lap, like three lengths of the beach on somebody's gear and they'd ride it up for me. So I put in like 30 minutes a day for about a week. And then I was foiling out. Like I could go, I felt like I was doing such a great job. If you're really far out there, I'd take a look in and I'm goofy footed. And like, I can't foil back in. Like I just like (laughs) be on my knees or paddle in. So that was the hardest part was getting both ways. But I had some early on success that made me want to keep giving it a try. How do you find it compared to kiting? I feel safe with kiting, with the lines and some really gusty conditions here. I always have that thought of like, don't push it too hard kind of thing. Like, you know, know your limits. But with the wing, I kind of just feel like you're in a, you're in a playground with like pool noodles keeping you safe. And I know that's not the case, but it feels very, very free. And a lot of possibilities as well. So 
I love the infinite playground of foiling in general, but then yeah. when you get into downwind and wing, it just opens up the ocean in a way that I never thought would be possible for me anyway. It's unreal. Yeah. It's incredible. It's so good. And then your entrance into downwind before we get more granule, like you yeah. started doing the flat water starts. How mm -hmm. long did you spend, you know, at those Tuesday clinics or whatever you want to call them until you got convinced by one of those guys to send it on a run? Oh gosh. So I had gone three times without ever got getting on foil to the uh, flat waters. And mm -hmm. on the fourth time I got on foil and the guys were talking after me like, Oh, you're ready for a run. And I was like, no, I could hardly stand on the board kind of thing when it was bumpy. But I did go on a run. I went with Tomo. We went from Kuau to Sugar Cove. And there were small waves and light wind, so it wasn't ideal. And I got up twice for maybe 10 to 20 seconds. But all of the time in between getting up, I was just like struggling. It was hard. So then after that, I went back to Flatwater maybe another few weeks. And then I started doing short runs quite often. Short runs or shore runs? Short. So okay. like gotcha. three miles at a time. Yeah. I mean, that's not that short. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's a third of the full run, I guess. Yeah. And now are you sending the full runs? Yeah. Mostly just Maliko's. So Maliko to Harbor, mm -hmm. nine and a half miles, I believe. And what foil are you riding mostly on the downwind runs? I'm riding the RS1150, so it's like a mid-aspect, tons of glide, good low end. I've only had about a month on this foil. Previous to that, I was on the P&L, which is about a 1300. Mm -hmm. So slightly easier to get up, but not as fast. So I'm really enjoying the foil I'm on right now. Yeah, the 1150 seems to be a really good foil. I have a buddy here, Dave, who it's his kind of primary daily driver prone. Yeah. And he rips off. <laughs> It's incredible, honestly. And it's the same shape. Like I ride the RS1000 for everything else, basically. So it feels very familiar, even though I don't put that much time on the 1150 in the waves. Mm -hmm. it, it has similarities, which is nice. I think that's so important to be able to go between your foils, like your range without a big adjustment. Yeah. And, it's Yeah. Dave, when it gets good, rides the 1000 and then when it's smaller, he's on the 1150. He's a bigger dude and can pump it great. So it's incredible. Yeah. And it's incredible how fast he goes with the 1150 and the thousand. Like he goes, what, one of the fastest times? And other people are on like race foils, like 850s and smaller. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Dave just like sees the game at a different level than most people, too. Yeah. It's like playing a different game. Let's talk about lines what you're looking for on your downwind runs how do you see like the bump landscape and what you're looking for so that's changed over the short amount of time i was looking for the steepest bump i could get behind and kind of stay there so mm -hmm. like surf on that recently i've been looking for like i guess you could call it bump trains like something i can get on and then quickly jump to the next one and see how long I could do that without losing my momentum. I have a friend who's been talking about like gate holes or something. I think it came from Dave. So I've been thinking about that a little bit where like you can enter like in between bumps, but for the most part, can you I explain that think, a little bit more in depth? Um, so basically from what I think he meant is you'll have like two bumps and in between that you can kind of cross at a higher speed. So you don't have to pump over and then 
re-enter a bump. It's kind of like a, a bridge between bumps. Oh, that's cool. Because pumping uphill is like the least fun thing to do on a downwinder. So basically trying to find a line that seems like you're always going down. And then it like I'm not really going for time so much. So if I do get on a really nice bump, trying to see how long I can stay without pumping has been the most recent goal. I think that's the most magical thing about that. It really is. It's yeah. so good. It's like you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're just standing there carving or whatever for like 30 seconds, a minute sometimes. Uh, it's yeah. so incredible. Like to repeat the same turn or a variation of a turn that many times, it's kind of mind boggling. It's like, did that just happen? And then you still have eight more miles to, to try stuff, you know, it's, there's not too many times that come in from around. I'm like, oh, that wasn't satisfying. Like, it's pretty good. I think that's one of the hardest things to, I've got a lot of buddies here who are winging and see me downwind by, because they, it's like, I usually, our crew that does the downwinders usually goes by the crew that's just winging. Yeah. And they just don't seem to understand how free and amazing a downwind is it's hard it's like foiling like until you feel it it's hard to know how good it is and i think for some reason in the downwind it's even a harder sell because it doesn't look that cool until it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah no so i did my first or my second wing downwinder with the a-team basically like craig andrea all the really fast downwind people here (laughs) and i was winging they were supping and that's when I realized it's not the same. Like I was constantly moving my wing around and trying to find a bump I could stay on. And then they would just have a line straight down the coast, like flying. And like, we're both going downwind, but we're not experiencing the same feelings right now. So that was and, motivating for sure. So you've done both of those. How do you explain the difference in feeling? As, I'll put it this way. As soon as I had a good sup run, I have not done a wing run since. Wow. Yeah, not to hate on it. I think the best outcome of a wing run would be new king wind and waves. So you can kind of get like a buffet down the coast, sampling every wave, kick out, get some downwind bumps. But the downwind action itself, it's kind of like your mind's in two places. You're trying to surf the bump, but you're also having to handle your wing Mm -hmm. and manage the two of those. Whereas the sub downwind, there's almost no distractions. You're like on your foil looking for bumps. The board doesn't get in the way. The paddle is hardly even there. So it's pretty magical. Yeah. I, I had that same experience. I did a downwind sup run with a buddy who was on the wing and we got a shuttle back from my wife who's the best person ever. Thank you, Sarah. That's she and, uh, and Robbie, my buddy Rob ended that run and that was his thought too. He's like, I have to learn yeah up downwind because like what you were doing is so different than what i was doing it's it's crazy i find that with me when i have the wing i never get to like just relax into Mm -hmm. into the bump or just it like the world doesn't disappear in the same way because you're always thinking about the wing you know like you said there but on the downwind like when you're just supping there are you know moments where you know, you don't have to think about anything, essentially. Yeah, it's it's incredible. How are your runs over there? What's the wind like? What's the bumps like? It's, it's not, I don't think it's nearly as good. I think once I get to a place where we really have real downwind conditions, I'm going to be 
just blown away by how good it is because here we have a long coastline and generally when we're doing the runs the bumps are running like 45 degrees to the shore so you're always okay. working to stay offshore the whole time so it's like a you're cutting out the whole time the whole time yeah okay basically and so when it's when there's a lot of angle on it so not as good we do shore runners which you'll chip in prone and then you kind of run the surf line down which is really fun because you five miles of surfing down the coast and those can be absolutely insane and then the downwind runs when it's really good it's actually funny because our best downwind runs are first days of wind before it gets too hard because as soon as we get more swell you get more angle it starts coming towards the beach more so It's like the better the bumps get, the worse the direction of the bumps are. Gotcha. So, and then that can be really hard because then you're going faster and you have to pull out more and then you're pulling kind of like into the wind the whole time. And yeah, that's hard. Are, yeah, you're just working a lot. But How far do you paddle out before you start your run? So it's generally like a 10 to 12 minute paddle offshore. You know, I think it's probably about a half mile, maybe a little bit more. And then... You know, on the good runs, you can actually work farther offshore and the farther you get offshore, like the better it gets. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? It takes me about 15 minutes to get out of Maliko, maybe 20. But my like fast paddling speed on my board is like the guys like having a stroll on their board. And my line is so much farther out than anybody I know, which it's not really intentional. I just when I get on a big bump and I have to like kick out, I kick out right. And mm-hmm. if that happens a lot on a good day. I've almost missed the, the harbor mouth a few times just being so far out there. <laughs> like I've been out there at uppers, which is maybe two to three miles before the the final location you're coming in at. And from there all the way to the finish line, I'm like pumping into the wind just to make it in. Oh, so when you're going back to shore, you're you have a like wind in your face a little bit, huh? Only if you take an outside line, like gotcha. Not normally. Yeah. Okay. So I've been working on following people who take a straighter line because I know that will definitely help. But yeah, generally, if we have like trade winds, which is like northeast winds, you can basically go straight from from where you get up. If it's slightly more onshore, like you said, you work out maybe the first quarter of the run and then you have a straight shot. So it just depends. It always cracks me up because, you know, we're working offshore the whole time and then when you finally get to come into shore, that last mm-hmm. half mile, three quarters of a mile into shore, it just feels like a vacation. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. It's like, oh man, I know somewhere someone just gets to do this for their whole run. <laughs> That's brutal, but yeah, exactly. We're very fortunate here. The other runs I started doing on my own, we call it a kooks run because you start from this beach called kooks mm-hmm. and it's only about three miles, but the line is you got to cut out so far to make the harbor mouth because you're starting. It's like that diagonal line. So the way to get around it is to paddle out for like 25 minutes, which I don't want to do. So I started taking off like maybe two minutes off the beach. And the whole time you have to kick out, you have to go right in order to make it to the location. So I kind of get that feeling. And if you play it well, then you have like, you know, maybe a quarter of a mile to like just go straight downwind. But do you on those oh go ahead it's definitely more of a grind when you have to uh, work into the wind that's for sure yeah i mean if the bumps are good enough sometimes it can be really fun kind of just crossing cruising you know almost like you're going down the line the whole time yeah yeah 
That's so fun. So the, fun. With how much you had kited before, was there any anxiety or fear? I don't know if fear is the right word. Anxiousness about going so far offshore to to downwind? Because it's a pretty lonely game. I mean, I, it's I, very lonely. Yeah. yeah. Not so much. Yeah, I felt kind of comfortable out there, especially knowing that I could paddle in. Like it would be a long and kind of annoying paddle if your gear broke, but I never felt like being out there would be catastrophic as long as my leash stays attached. So that was pretty okay. Whereas with the kite lines, like they say, never go out farther than you want to swim in. But they're talking about swimming in, like no board, no kite. Yep. Yep. Like that. So yeah, that wasn't too daunting. I always thought kiting, I started to get into kiting. We moved back from Costa Rica. I just didn't get it. It just seemed like so much gear and mm-hmm. so sketchy, you know, in gust yeah. winds, which we always have here. It just felt like you were always about to get yarded. Like, yeah, you definitely are. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's uh, tricky. So when we were scheduling this show, we were going to do it an hour ago, but then Gabby was like, no, we got to push it back. I think we're going to tow. So I know that you've got the tow bug yeah. right now. And it sounds like surfing is as much as you love downwind and winging surfing is pretty much where your heart is. Yeah, uh, for sure. Is that accurate? That's accurate for sure. Yeah. Any wave riding that's priority right now. What do you love about wave riding? You're kind of getting to work with what it gives you. It's, it's different every time. And on top of that, I feel like when you get stuck doing your line, it's so easy to try something new in the waves. And with the foil, there's so many opportunities like, the places you can go on that wave that you think you know are so endless, whether it be like where you ride on the wave or so many options. I feel not overwhelmed, but excited to to try new lines and stuff. What are you working on right now? I mean, for starters, you get to foil with a crew over there of some of the best foilers in the world. I mean, you spend a lot of time with Kane. You spend a lot of time with Kalama. Like these are the, you know, the guys that everyone is looking up to and you're surfing yeah. with all the time in the water for sure. Yeah. What is inspiring you right now? And what are the lines that you're trying to draw? So for example, we, there's some people who carve like nothing else here. One of the people I'm really looking up to right now is Eddie O. He's a sub foiler yep. and yep. surfer, but every turn he does, it's maxed. Like he can't go any farther and that's on every turn. So I'd say that like being intentional on your turns, I know when I watch my own clips, it's like, oh, you could have, you could have committed another second. That's definitely something I'd like to work on. And then in time, like watching progressive people like Kane, Austin, Donovan to incorporate, that would be a dream come true. Like the, uh, the whitewater hits. I know I just saw yours. That was pretty amazing. Thanks. Pretty cool. The, uh, you know, I just had a boat day with Austin last week. And I left that thinking, see, I got to send it more. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I hit my foil twice in the last two days, but <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I landed some stuff too. <laughs> so sick. Yeah, we were just at Kalapaki, the contest there, Foil Fever. And I have never seen that much of a show and people pushing it that hard in foiling because it was all the rippers, local rippers, and waves that were like unmatched, like, you could pull in on some of those waves and it was like the perfect hybrid between like a surfing line and then seeing 
how much you can change it up with your foil. It was basically every heat from there is goals. Like extremely inspiring. And you surfed the event? I did. Yeah, I surfed the women's division. How'd you do? I got second place and it was a good time. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. When you were watching that event, so I've seen a lot of the clips of that and the surf, yeah. you know, probably outside of most people's comfort zone on foil. For sure. You know, I mean, it was sizable surf. And then you've got the pressure of the contest. And so everybody's sending it. It's kind of like the perfect storm for mm -hmm. people pushing limits. Yeah. What were you seeing there that was like blowing your mind? Because, yeah, it looked pretty intense. It was intense. The amount of screaming we did from the beach that day was insane. But, yeah, I'd say some of the things that stood out were people were getting as deep as they could, which is not something you see on very often. You know, we have so much space to play on the shoulder and stuff. So getting deep, going so fast, like, you know, they were on their high aspect, really fast foils. And it looked like they were maxing out, like insane. And then on top of that, so you could get a two for one. That was your max connection count. Okay. To see them not only pump out to another wave just because they could, but to utilize that wave from the very first moment they could get on it was incredible. It was eye-opening because when I connect the wave, it, you know, the first one was the highlight and the second one oftentimes is just like, oh, I did it. Here's my second wave. Mm -hmm. But for them, it would be even more intensity on the second one. So I imagine if there's no contest that day, they could just do that forever. What was the, so, so it was a max two waves and then what was the yeah. criteria? How did they deal with, actually before that, how did they deal with priority for someone pumping back out? So it was the paddler, whoever's paddling in has priority. So you cannot turn on their wave, which was not a problem at this contest because they were taking off more on the inside, inside and mm -hmm. then pumping out. And then, yeah, so your two waves count as one ride and your two top rides are scored. Gotcha. So it was similar, like speed, power, flow. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And some of the video did do it justice. Like there's some good content from that day. Oh, I know. Yeah. Mateo was sending it like the turn that Mateo did. If you guys haven't seen these highlights, go look up foil fever. Was it Kalapaki? Is that where it yeah, was? That's it. Yeah. On YouTube. I think they put it out on YouTube. And I mean, Mateo's pulling in and then does one, like, I don't even know what you call it. Air foam bash, but it wasn't, yeah. foam. it was like a full on barrel bash and landed it. Kane was straight up like pulling in and landed like a strapless air. I mean, it was wild it was wild so good how was the women's division in the contest it was really cool i had never met any of the other ladies there i believe three or four of them were from oahu and one local lady from Kauai. okay and they really ripped it was impressive the day before the contest we had waves that were more appropriate for our skill level i'd say so you could really see what everybody had to offer and their level is really high. It was cool to see. The girl who won Glenelg from Oahu, she handled the waves on the final, like the decently sized waves really well with like good takeoffs, nice turns. And yeah, everybody was sending it. It was really inspiring. That's awesome. So you said you're riding the RS1000. Yeah. Mostly prone. The one. Is that what you rode? That's what I rode. Yeah. With the 29 masts and a 12 short. So 
You had it felt to really good on that. You weren't lit on that. I was lit, but it was also nice to have that juice. I think if I went back out, I would go on the same thing. Yeah. Is that because of the pump or because it felt good on the waves? The pump, but also as soon as you got to the inside, it was gutless. So you kind of wanted something for both. Gotcha. Yeah. The Glenelg went out originally on a smaller foil on the initial heat. And I know she upsized for the final. And I think that did well for her. So when you're on Maui and your normal foil day, what are your favorite spots to ride? I know I see a lot of video and I actually got to surf it when I was like 15 of the Harbor. Yeah. A barrel day when I was there was awesome. Um, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. it It was deceivingly heavy like on it was probably a little overhead when i was there and it was a i got smoked on my first one i remember yeah that right is crazy it's a great surf and sponge wave yeah um yeah i love the harbor that's five minutes away from my house so it's always the first check and the criteria for that wave is as long as it breaks so it can be one foot and breaking and honestly extremely fun up until it starts to double when it doubles it's also really fun but that's when all the surfers come out so you kind of sit on the inside but yeah, that wave would be a lot of my sessions in Hawaii. So Ka'a Point, that's the long wave that we all are stoked on. What's that wave like? It's incredible. So it's it breaks on the reef way out there, and it's a pretty wide beach, so you can catch it from about three spots. And if you connect it right, you have the longest wave to the beach and then about a 20-minute paddle back out. And the nice thing about that wave is it's not critical, it's not steep, but it keeps on giving you these really nice sections. So you think like you had the best part of the wave and it's just revamped, revamps and you're stoked again. Are you um, ever pumping all the way back out? I have not managed to pump back out from the beach. I have gotten basically from the kicker, which is like a quarter of the way out. I've made it. But after that, I feel like my legs are toasted. So it's more of a super long wave session and then connecting maybe half the way out is do you ride a sup there i mean it seems like the paddle speed of a sup would get you a lot more waves you know a sup is really nice there i have never supped in the waves so which is kind of odd because i downwind but i always prone in the surf i do most i started foiling on with a sup yeah that would be an easier way to learn i did like two prone sessions almost killed myself put it away for a little bit and then decided to make myself a sup and then started that way. And yeah. I feel like it was a, like a really easy, like on road for foiling, but I had a sup background too. So I went, I didn't have right. a sup, but every once in a while I'll still take out the sup. Now I'll take out like the Barracuda, or just a downwind board and work on, you know, turns in the surf. And I feel like it kind of, because there's no pressure to stay up on the run, you get to like see how far you can push the board. I find it really fun. Like my next downwind run after a sup foil session is always so good. It's kind of a cool way to train for downwind, I find. That's so sick. Are you strapped on your sup board? No, I don't do anything strapped. I'm scared of strapped. Okay. Do you? Got you. So I'm mostly prone strapless, but if I did get into sup, I would love to be in straps because you don't have to go through that finding your straps on the pop-up phase. And I feel like it could be a fun way to push it on a sup board. Yeah, I find um, the guys who go strapped on sup are cranking the best turns for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, Eddie, Eddie, right. Nick, Austin, yeah. yeah. Nick is how bound on Instagram? Yeah, he's yeah, insane. He's too. 
He sends it. Yeah, it's interesting because nothing ever looks as good when it's filmed as it does live. I bet those turn right. so mad in person. Yeah, no, it's mind blowing. And the spot that he primarily rides at guardrails is such a small spot. Like everybody's right next to each other. So if you're sitting out there, you're like front row to the craziest show. <laughs> like you don't even really have to catch a wave there. You can just watch him and a few other guys. And it's like, you basically, you want a helmet. It's so crazy. It's like <laughs> the airs they pull and everything. It's amazing. That's awesome. So if you're at guardrails, yeah. you get to foil with bones too. Oh yeah, I love Bones. He's he just got this foil drive and he's been coming out at Ka'a at the long wave. And he was out there previously without the foil drive as well. But he's catching waves so early and I had never wanted to get a foil drive. I don't see the use for me. But after watching him, it's like I do that. Like that looks like fun. No one here has them yet. Do you think it's a real thing? Like I've always been kind of hating on it a little bit. Like yeah, same. Kind of like an e-foil thing, but is it real? Do you think you can still surf? Good? I think you can still surf. Yeah. I think if it takes you farther than you can paddle or if it gets you in earlier than you can paddle into, I think it's pretty sick. In Kauai, there is a guy using it in like pretty good surf. And that was kind of mind blowing because like I would never think to take it out at a place where I could easily paddle into. But yeah, I think it's going to open up more possibilities. Maybe not for me. I don't see myself buying one, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking that through. I mean, I guess it would open up. If you think, if you think about like foiling big waves, I mean, right yeah. now, the challenge is you got to get in. So do you opt for the bigger board, more float so you can get in, but then you have to deal with that. I wonder if it's mm -hmm. easier to go with like a foil drive and your smaller board versus and if that surfs better versus a bigger board uh but then you, you know having to manage that the whole time yeah that's a good question i think it depends on what you're comfortable with i was at pier one a few days ago towing it wasn't very big it was you know just overhead and it was just us out there with the ski and then one efoil towing himself into waves and the efoil to me like you can never really turn it off or get rid of the drag mm -hmm. but if that was a foil assist he would have been basically scoring the same waves we did on the same setup so that could be pretty sick yeah i am so in love personally right now with towing we got a ski a buddy and i split one about a month and a half ago that's so it nice. changed it's changed like the days that i can foil yeah access to some of these shoals that we have that break and just roll for so long but i feel like it's also let me play around with so much that I kind of broke through a plateau that I've been on for a while because of just all this extra like play that I've been able to do in the surf. It's amazing. It's like, awesome. It's it's the coolest tour I think you can own right now is the ski is I'm always looking for that friend who has one. It's like, can we go? Can you know I'm, my DMs are basically just all hitting people up to go tow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want to go this morning? I was trying to push it really hard. And the guy, our friend, is like, Yeah, let's go. We wake up really early check the wind and it's already gusting like 32 miles an hour uh, like maybe not today but tomorrow like can we go tomorrow the stoke is there for sure um so i mean you have access to legit surf out there unlike we have in florida are you comfortable towing in the bigger surf what's your biggest wave that you've entered in yet and what are your goals for this winter so the biggest wave i've gotten was not even that big it was maybe double overhead but it's definitely the biggest wave I've gotten on a foil. 
and it felt incredible. It wasn't scary. My foil felt so good. So I definitely want more. I wouldn't say I'm ready for anything crazy, but I feel comfortable pushing it a little bit farther for sure. What spots are you towing offshore? Um, so the swells that we had were like mostly north. So we were towing Pier 1, which is right outside the harbor, and then uppers. And as it gets more west, I guess you venture farther up the coast. Yeah, those waves are super fun. Any of the outer reef waves have a lot to offer. And generally have a good channel, like not big impact zones type stuff? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. What's the what's the most nervous that you have been in your foiling journey so far? I'd say a good wave day. Light wind on my wing setup because I ride my prone board all the time. So if I go down in between waves, a lot of time, it'll take me a while to get back up, if that. So just having to like get through the waves with your wing is it's kind of nerve wracking, but it's also a lot of fun. So let's talk about that. Give me, yeah. if you were going to teach somebody and I'm terrible at this, I just went over the falls with like starfished out like a <laughs> medieval rack or something like that with the wing on one oh, side gosh. and the board on the other. And it was terrible. <laughs> surf. I hate wings and surf. And so, yeah. But how would you like teach someone to deal with being in a really terrible situation in the impact zone with all your gear in a wing? I'd say have your priorities. It's not always gear. So if you need to lose your wing, I guess you could do that. I haven't been in a position where that's the option. I think the best thing you can know is just don't put yourself in too bad of a situation. Like at that spot that we wing, you could turn around at the first wave, you could turn around the second. You could go to the outside. You can, you know, go to the outside for a second and realize that it's not the place for you. So just don't go into anything you don't want to swim out of. Basically the same as kiting. With my board, I can duck dive because it's a small board, so that makes it easier. Do you use a... I use a wrist leash. No, wrist leash for my wing and a ankle so, leash for my board. So if you have a wrist leash, how do you duck dive like with your wing? You can throw right before the wave comes. You can like throw it over if it's not extreme and then go under. Or honestly, you can kind of just turn your back to the wave and let it push you like straddle the board. That works out pretty well most of the time. And the wing um, pulling on you. The too. wing will just give you a little tug on the wrist. Yeah. It seems like when that happens, to <laughs> me, I just get dragged like behind a ski and you're attached. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody's found out the ideal way to like take a wave on the head with your setup but i would love to know if they have like yeah. i just feel like you just have to go through it and stay away from your foil probably the main part of it is don't get mangled in that yeah i had one a couple weeks ago i don't think i've said it on the show yet but i was going out for a downwinder and so it's just sup and paddle yeah. and as we walk out it's always on the good downwind days or the bigger downwind days usually you have a shore break that's like I don't know, chest high, maybe a little bit bigger and it can be kind of heavy. And so you've kind of got to time it and punch through. And it's usually like you're in kind of like waist high water. So your board's still upside down, pushed uh -huh. through the waves. Right. And really? at some point you have to make the decision to flip your board over and then kind of get out the rest of the way. And so I missed the timing on this and I was like, all right, I got a break. I flipped my board over and I started paddling and the set started coming through. I was like, oh, damn it. And I thought I could punch through and I went to punch through like a 105 liter board 
so you can't really duck dive it, but you can kind of punch through. But yeah. as I was doing that long mast, mast was on the sand Ooh. and I just got cycled over the falls with my board, the whole thing, yard sale completely. The problem was my like quad right by my knee landed on my mast as I went over. Oh, it hurts so this, bad. It was gnarly. I had this hematoma yeah. like the size of a baseball on my oh, knee. God. It was really good. So we still did the run and I didn't know it was that bad, but I got in, I could barely walk and then my knee blew up huge and my whole like hamstring was like black and orange, purple and orange Oof. for a couple of days. <laughs> what a way to start the run. Yeah. It's like Yeah. Pretty gnarly. It was so good though, I had to go. <laughs> yeah, you have to go when it's good. Yeah. Have you been hurt by your foil before? Nothing too gnarly. Actually, the first week when I was learning how to wing, I got stitches in my foot because I just cut it wide open. And that was completely, you know, just a beginner user error type of, I like tacoed onto the front wing. Besides that, no major cuts. Definitely some like freestyle things that have been less than pleasant. Kind of getting stuck in your foot straps and being like tangled around and shit. But no, nothing gnarly, which I'm really grateful for. Knocking on wood. Yeah, exactly. Here you go. Said that for us. Yeah, the I had that moment today. I was like having a great session. I was like, feel like everything's finally dialed and the stuff I'm working on right now. And it's like I just don't want to get hurt. Next wave, I like hit the foam on one, and as I was coming down, my back foot slid off. Board started a taco, and then my foot hit the foil and got like a nice like line bruise across the middle of my foot right now. Oof. And it was like that. You knew like after having the thought of don't get hurt that you're gonna get hurt. Yeah. Gotta figure yeah, out. there's definitely been a lot of minor ones. Like the other day, I was at the harbor pruning, and I tried to hit the white water, which is something I'm very—I seldom come out of it in a good way. And the uh, foil came right back at my knee, and I was just like sitting in the water for ten minutes, like, "Can you catch a wave? Like, are you good?" And it went away, like the pain, but it was just like, Wait. yeah. Anytime you and your foil make contact, something goes down. <laughs> Generally, you lose. Is what I've found. Generally, you lose. I have not been too successful against my foil. The I'm pulling up your Instagram right now because I was looking at some of your clips um, this morning, just kind of thinking about this conversation. And like I started the show with, I feel that you have a really good innate style. Oh, thank you. How much do you think about style on foil and you know i think foiling is something that really lends itself to style because there's so much efficiency involved yeah that you can really relax into it i think some people don't take advantage of that but it seems like either you think about it or it's innate and uh, what are your thoughts on that on style to me it's one of the biggest factors not for my own writing but when i'm watching somebody it's really important to me actually just how easy they make it look because you know it's not easy and then like how at peace they look as well but no i don't really go over sorry about that no that was me sorry oh it's not really something i focus on hopefully it comes in time yeah i think watching other people who you do like their style is the biggest way I can improve. Whose style do you like? Kane's is really good. Mr. Bennett's super smooth. As I mentioned earlier, Eddie, Dave, Skeeter. She's a lady at her beach who rips. Has great style. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people who just look graceful. I think that's a big part of it. Let's see, yeah, there's a lot of rippers. Ridge. When you watch his videos, he's steezy, which is it's really cool. There's yeah, there's a ton. Yeah, I'm looking at clips. How about you? Who do you look up to? Is it uh, 
a lot of people that you mentioned, I watch a lot of surfing and snowboarding when I'm thinking about like style and like new lines. I try to draw, like I'm really inspired by hard boot snowboarding. Yeah, that stuff is crazy. Yeah, I mean, everyone that you mentioned there, I think, actually, it's kind of funny. I I model, like, I think about, like, my son foils a lot. And oh, yeah? somehow he has just this, like, really loose style. He doesn't really do anything that radical. He's a really good foiler. He doesn't do anything that radical. But it's just always so smooth in the way that, like, his arms work. He's been surfing since he was a little kid and skating. And he loves to snowboard. And there's something about the way that he kind of puts everything together that lately I've been trying to figure out like what it is. When I look at style, I guess I look at like, you can see style right away, right? Like someone who has it yeah. doesn't like it, you just notice it, but then like breaking down what makes something a good style is a harder question, right? For sure. And I haven't, I don't know if I've figured out what that is yet necessarily. It's like efficiency of movement, I think, but I don't it's know. It's hard how- because if you break down a nice style and I think a lot of the people I mentioned, they don't really have a lot of resemblance. They're all kind of unique, but there's something that definitely has to tie it together. And what do you think that is, if you had to sum it up? I think it's gracefulness and commitment to every move that they're doing. I think the, they don't look fidgety in any way. Like all those people are like, it looks like three turns ago, they decided what they're going to do. And when they come to it, they do it. Yeah, nothing forced. Yeah. Nothing forced. And also forced style is it's pretty apparent as well. So I think all those guys are just like, yeah, they have it so dialed that you don't think it's in the back of their mind. Like how does my hand look right now? Kind of thing. Right. I think it was at some point though, or maybe not. Yeah, most likely. You know, I had a conversation with Kiahi and I think Kiahi is like one of the most stylish, like, he really is. Yeah. And I thought that for him, it was going to be just like born with. And I asked him that question and his answer like blew me away because he's like, I think about style all the time. I'm always working on my style. <laughs> and I was oh, like, wow. it made that's me cool. feel a little bit better in a way. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. And then Jack from town is someone else who like said something very similar, which was that he like thinks about style all the time. And he's always he's always like focused on that. He's God, very stylish in the water. Yeah, smooth. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the beginning of foiling, it was foil wizard that I was like kind of looking at a whole lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy is that guy rips. He gets around. Yeah, uh, unreal. So we've gone through downwind and prone and some winging. What else do you? Uh, there's like eleven questions that I usually do at the end of a show. We don't have to jump oh, in yeah? yet. What else? What else are you frothing on? In what the am I frothing on? I'm frothing on every day, every session. Basically, it's I don't usually have it planned out. I'll check the spot. If there's wind, you have some options. If there's no wind, you have some options. So. I'm frothing on getting better, pushing it, maybe a little bit of competition. I've really been enjoying it. I've only been to a few so far, but competition side of it is pretty fun, especially because everybody is stoked. Like it really sets it aside from other competitions. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of all of it. How how has the foiling community been for you? Like, how do you find the foiling community? It's been incredible. Everybody, and I say everybody because I can't think of one person I wouldn't want to surf with here who foils, is so nice and so stoked. Specifically in now ending, like a lot of the people have known each other for 20 plus years and have been now ending together for so long from like the sub days. And they will 
make sure you're safe, still encourage you. And it kind of makes you want to do the same thing for whoever's learning next. So it's really special. That's so cool. I hope the sport doesn't lose that. I mean, I probably say that on every show. You guys probably hate hearing it by now, but <laughs> I just, I feel like that's what's so special. Today we had a, like a pretty, I mean, it's been a good week. It's like three feet at 11 seconds and 80 degrees in Florida. Right now we're kind of in like light full suits or heavy spring suits, which is crazy for December. Yeah. And I wow. think we had seven guys out and it's just so fun. Everybody's just ear to ear grinning, you know, every level. Amazing. It's just so cool. Like you don't get that in surfing. I never felt that in surfing. You don't get it. I, yeah, no, it's incredible. And it was similar in kiting as well. The windsport community here, you know, everybody, you have to help each other get in and out of the water, the launches, and you want to see everybody do good kind of thing. Like it motivates you. You want to make sure everybody's safe. So yeah, you just become really close friends really, really quickly. Quite nice. Yeah. What are your goals in foiling? That's a hard one. I definitely have some specific goals, nothing too long-term. I'd like to get all the rotations I can. So eventually 720s, backflips, front flips, just because it's nice to be capable and to have those moves. I like to get into bigger waves, more so towing. And then for prone, I just want to just push it, be more progressive, learn airs, be smooth. I haven't really gotten into racing. I tried a competition race swinging in the summer. And I don't switch my feet when I'm coming in. I'm coming in toe side. Mm -hmm. So that kind of held me back. But I'll probably get into that as well. Just to know how. Yeah, just to try everything. And you spend a lot of time. I know that you foil with Kane a lot. What have you yep. learned from Kane, if anything? Or do you teach him most of the stuff? <laughs> I learned so much from the guy. He, a lot of it goes over my head. But I've been trying to be intentional to listen. A lot of gear things, honestly. Just knowing how much tuning can change your gear and how trying things is like the best thing you can do. So I get stuck just wanting to ride the same setup all the time and he'll change it up sometimes for me or suggest something. And that makes a big difference. He's also just like really smooth in all of his foiling disciplines. So I don't know how you get there, but I definitely do want to get there. I can just see Kane coming down to the beach every day with like 40,000 shims that's honestly so on point like he has this tool bag like a very messy tool bag of like broken up shims and like random washers and he'll go out for 10 minutes and he'll come in for 20 then he'll go out for 10 but he's like he's not feeling around like he's being a freaking scientist on the beach and then a tester in the water so it's pretty cool that's funny. Dave, Dave, when I was talking to Dave Kalama earlier today, we were talking about something very similar about like testing gear and how fun it is, but then how frustrating it gets because you're always on the beach and it's, yeah. you know, everyone else is surfing and having fun and you're like trying to figure something out. It's almost a different thing. Yeah. All right. Let's dive in to the 11 questions. Are you let's ready? Do it. Yes. Take as yeah. much time as you would like with these, no rules or limits, and maybe we dive into them more or less. We'll see. How do you define success? Oof. I'd say success is one accomplishing what you want to accomplish and what you've said you want to do, but also being satisfied with where you are. And yeah, every checklist that you get to just celebrating that success, because once you complete that, you're on to the next one. It's a never ending process. So yeah, just being satisfied and keep chasing. Have you always had that mentality? Yeah, I, I like goals 
but also I can get a little bit caught up on the goals. So trying to slow down and enjoy when I have done something successful and then move on has been really helpful. You said at the beginning of the show that you were a competition swimmer. So I assume that's like yeah. club type stuff. Yeah, club. I swam for like five years and that took up all of my time between like, you know, multiple practices a day. And I was really into it. And then all of a sudden I was pretty much not into it. Yeah, I was about to say that as far as water sports go, swimming is on the exact opposite end of like the freedom of ocean. Yeah, it really is. It really is. How did you like the, because I swam too. Yeah, well, a long time ago. But, and I liked the competition side of it. The practice side of it drove me nuts. I did it because I thought it would make me a better surfer. And it would just be comfortable. Oh, nice. That's cool. But yeah, how did you like being in like the swimming mindset because i mean it's intense it's intense it's milliseconds is what you're going for on your training you know and it's the repetition that you do i don't think i've ever been through something where you'll do something like a hundred thousand times like even if you just have to break down your breathing on a stroke like everything you do if you're not thinking about it you might be doing it wrong so your your mind is so turned on and you're so in the moment And at the same time, it's so hard to be in the moment because you've done that, you know, every day of the year for a few years. So what have you brought, what lessons from swimming have you brought into the way that you train in foiling? And do you think about what you're doing in foiling right now as training? Do not. So when I started kiting originally, it was a break from swimming. It was just having fun. And it's still the same for me now. It's just having fun. Occasionally, when I have a goal in mind, I'll be like, oh, I'll go train this. I'll break it up to this many steps and work on this amount of time until I get it. And that feels like a training session, but that's pretty seldom. Most of the time, I'm just doing what feels good. So So, I think I could turn on that side of my brain to like make it a training sport, but that's not where I'm at right now. So when you think about getting all of your rotations, that's not something, it's something that you want to do, but you're not actively saying today, I'm going to stick the 720 and doing. No, I'll have sessions. Like right now I'm just dialing in the 360. So I'll have sessions where I go out and I work on that pretty much just, that's all I do, but it's not every day. And it's not like, there's no set day where I have to go and perform that way. It's just when I'm feeling it. So, so you still use a training mindset, but you don't follow a training regimen as far as yeah. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Today. Yes, I just want to keep it fun. So, a mix. I guess it's a mix of everything. Gotcha. That's cool. I yeah. I think that resonates with me too. Because like, and I guess in in these sports, we don't have the ability like in a pool to be like today I'm doing 75 flip turns because it might not be right. And you just can't do the rotation you want to do. Exactly. I'd say with downwinding, that's when I feel the most competitive, especially with myself. I used to bring my phone with me for Strava, you know, to track your run. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I know the timer's on, it felt just like swimming. It's like, oh, I got to pump over this next bump or, you know, you can't serve. So I turned the timer off. I've stopped caring as much just because I spiral so quickly into like really getting into it. And I think the, you know, just maximizing on the fun because that's what's most important, I think, to me. How do you define happiness? How do I define happiness? Experiencing joy on a 
daily basis, laughing, being in the moment and just not worrying too much, you know, just realizing that where you're at is where you're at and you can make the best of it. What motivates you right now? I want to chase as much fun as I can for as long as I can. So just not wasting any time. Not wasting any time. I like that. What's your proudest foiling accomplishment? Ooh, I'd say my first Malika run, like it was maybe, I don't know, three months after learning how to, you know, my first attempt. And it was a moment I didn't think I was going to get to at all or in that amount of time. So I was stoked. And maybe like I tried a backflip a little bit ago, just towing. And I'd never done a backflip on a trampoline or anything. So that that moment was really cool. Yeah, those were probably the two main ones. What's your best foil trip so far? Foil trip. The gorge was incredible. I decided to go last minute. I went like the day before the competition, the race started and did the race, was stoked on it. And then had like five more days just to play in. The bumps there, the wind, the people, the location. It's incredible. I love it. How do the bumps at the gorge compare to your normal conditions on Maui? It's like a really good Kihei run. Like our south side run, it's protected. It's not open ocean as much. So all the bumps feel the same. They look the same. They're steeper. It's really easy to get on. You know, it's like two, three strokes and you feel like you're up. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not racing, which I've only done like two runs where I wasn't racing, you feel like you're like surfing a standing wave. Like if everybody knew about it, Kelly Slater's wave pool would be out of action because it's basically like, it's basically it. Like you're just standing there and you know, there's the current going the other way. So you do have more time on the same length of run and you're surfing. It's incredible. I kind of feel that way about foiling in general. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I was in the market right now, I would be shorting surfboard companies and going on. <laughs> foil companies as much as possible. If you could make that investment, I would be making that investment so big right now. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite marine animal to see? Marine animal. And what's your best story? Oh, wow. That's a good one. I'd say manta rays. They're really magical. I was towing last year. It was like my first time ever towing. It's really small. And I had been down, like I'd fall in. I was waiting to get picked up. And this like, it looked like a fin, but I knew it wasn't a shark. It was like circling me. And the guys on the ski, Kane and a friend, they were laughing. I'm like, why are you guys laughing? Like, what's going on? And I get on the ski and I look down. It's like this huge manta ray. And it's so beautiful. And I was a little scared. I thought it was a shark. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, really pretty. Doesn't want to eat me. So those are really cool to see. Turtles are definitely not endangered anymore. Or it doesn't seem that way because every session you go out, you're avoiding them like a speed bump. Like... So it's fun, you know, you're reminded that you are in the ocean. You're not in a you're not in a pool. It's really beautiful. I love that about downwinding. Just what you see. Yeah. And the flying fish, they, they like hit your like board as they go across. It's pretty cool. Oh, we don't have that here. You don't have that. They're tiny, they're really small. And thousands of them. So you're going and you just hear like the trickling into the water. It's trippy. It's really sick. That's wild. That's, yeah. What music are you getting hyped to right now? I'm really basic. I love Jack Johnson. So he's like, when I'm driving, that's probably what I'm listening to. Honestly, I love making a an, a reel or an edit and then just kind of exploring music. Definitely mu moody music, Pink Floyd, just kind of oldies, but a little bit of everything. 
how do you manage your foil life balance? Is that a thing for you yet? Do you have to manage how much you're foiling versus real life? Um, so it's 90% foiling. That's what I do for work as well. I teach kiting and foiling and it's 10% school. So it's like, that's the mix right now. It's, I leave the house around 6.30 most days and I come back at seven and all that time is around or in the water. So what is, what are you studying? I am taking prerequisite classes at UHMC. So I have not decided yet. It's a good place to be. It is nice to have something going on the side. So. And what do you think about on downwind runs? First few thoughts is like, oh, this could be a fast run or like, oh, this might not be your best run. And then once I get past that, trying new things, trying to push a turn, even if you know you're going to fall or go down a bump that looks too steep. And like, you know, the first thought is like, I'll kick out. And then it's like, see what happens. A lot of it is like, let's see what happens. I'm not a paddler. Like, I don't know how to use the paddle. So when I'm up on foil, the paddle is never in the water. But recently I've been trying to like turn on the paddle or just drag it in the water to incorporate, incorporate just trying things, honestly. does so So from what you just answered there, it sounds like, you are focused on foiling the whole time. I find, and some other people find that like their mind will just kind of drift off and then you'll be thinking about something absolutely random. That that does occasionally happen if I'm really comfortable, but I try to shut that off as soon as I can because it's not usually like the most like motivating like foil thoughts. It's more like just as you said, random shit, like, oh man, I should have like gone to the DMV yesterday or like it's those types of thoughts. It's like, let's think about what we're doing right now kind of a thing a lot of times because we're always working offshore you're almost never looking back to shore yeah and you'll kind of forget like where you are along the coast uh-huh. and you don't have like 10 minutes of just being completely tapped into the bumps and then all of a sudden you're like well where am i oh gosh and then yeah that's definitely happened so those are like really far offshore that's yeah. generally when i fall once I realize that I'm way farther out than I want to be, that's when I fall. Yeah, falling is like, it's hard because it really breaks up the focus for me. Like if I stand up right away and I get on the next bump, it's fine. But if I can't get up on the next bump, the next five bumps, then I like take a second and like look around. It's really pretty. You're still downwinding, you know, the time the timer stopped. But I'd say a no fall run is 10 times more magical than a run that you come down on. I agree with that. Completely. I find that when I foil with people and someone gets up first and they're off, then everything becomes so much more stressful and I hate it. Yeah, I, I try to get up first. Yeah, and I almost prefer to just downwind by myself. It's like you're always by yourself once you're up. And my best runs always come that way. Yeah, you know, we go with groups here, usually five plus, and then you'll see other groups because we all meet around the same time. And generally, the group you go with, will be around your speed i'm kind of the exception because i don't have a group i just go with whoever whoever will take me but it's definitely a thought if you know you're the slowest one you're like oh i don't want to hold anybody up and then the run can be a little distracted i like going with kane or somebody who just doesn't worry they just go and you go and see each other at the end what's your biggest foiling fear foiling fear do you have one? um Maybe that I would not be able to foil for a long time, like getting hurt, injuries, but yeah, nothing, not too many fears in terms of foiling. Right on. And what's your bucket list of places you want to go? Oh, that's a good one. I really want to go to Mauritius because that left for winging and 
mostly winging actually looks incredible. I'd like to spend time there. Like from everything I see, it just looks like the ultimate playground for Goofy. If you're talking about New Caledonia for downwinding, it seems like a really cool spot for that. Besides that, it's hard when you live on Maui because it's quite ideal. There's a lot of there's a lot of times when you're offered to go out to a certain location and you're like, I don't think so. I don't want to miss the local conditions. So, I mean, Fiji would be incredible. Yeah, Fiji would be a good one. The clips coming yeah. out, like the Nomotu trips that people are doing are just... Yeah, that just seems insane. I would love to go. But it's funny. It's like foiling has changed that for me, though, where I used to always, when I was in Florida anyways, want to travel. But I don't really want to travel anymore. I mean, maybe when it gets cold over the winter, I'll make some trips. But yeah, it's good. You know, there's something on offer almost every day. And when it's not every day, yeah, I, I could use a rest day anyways. <laughs> yeah, so true. Well, hopefully you come out to Maui soon. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I think we're planning an August trip. Oh, sweet. That would be awesome. Yeah, I hope it works out. It's so cool. Like, yeah. All right. What do you want to leave folks with, Gabby? Get um, closing well, thoughts. Closing thoughts. Just have fun. Be safe. Be nice to the people around you. And keep making this sport like the most soaked out water sport, sport that there is. Yeah. Don't take yourself too seriously. I love it. Thank you for coming yeah. on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. This was a lot of fun. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.